0: Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Colt Sebastian Taylor. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Saturday Report. It's me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you for tuning in today. As a reminder, you can find me on the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Cameo, and oh, other social media places at Colt S. Taylor. Be sure to uh, bookmark ColtSebastianTaylor.com, and of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to Anchor.fm slash Colt for all future Saturday Report updates. All right, my friend, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, my friends, George Carlin is in the news. No, he hasn't risen from the dead. He's been dead since 2008. Uh, over, gosh, over 15 years, 15 years, but he's making a comeback. Well, not really. Apparently, uh, somebody has created an AI-generated George Carlin stand-up routine, basically. Um, An AI program called Dudsley uh, took a bunch of old George Carlin... um, audio, which there is quite a bit, to create an impression of him and then used AI to write jokes about being an AI George Carlin, and he put it on YouTube. Now, needless to say, uh, his daughter um, (laughs) Kelly Carlin, not very happy about it. Not very happy about it, uh, because she wasn't consulted, uh, and certainly no one was compensated for using that, because it's, you know, AI isn't created from nothing, okay? It doesn't create from nothing. AI creates from something else. So, if, you know, someone were to create an AI uh, Saturday report with Cole Sebastian Taylor, the voice that you'd be hearing would be the voice and tones I've used before. So, there's, I mean, the same thing with AI art is becoming an issue. Now, AI stand-up comedians, apparently, it's an issue as well. Uh, Kelly Carlin wrote on Twitter in response to this quote: "My dad spent a lifetime perfecting his craft from his very human life, brain, and imagination. No machine will ever replace this genius. His genius. These AI-driven products are clever attempts to try to recreate a mind that will never exist again. Let's let the artist's work speak for itself. Humans are so afraid of the void that we can't let what has fallen into it stay there." Uh, the um, uh, the thing that was op- uh, uploaded to YouTube is an hour long. It's called George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead and uses uh, an approximation of his voice to talk about uh, mass shootings, transgender uh, issues, as well as former President uh, Donald Trump. Uh, it begins with a disclaimer from a computer-generated voice saying, quote, I just want to let you know Uh, very clearly, that what you're about to hear is not George Carlin. It's my impression of George Carlin. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so there's been some push back and forth here, push back and forth here. Some people are saying that Kelly Carlin is only uh, complaining because she's not getting uh, compensated for this. Uh, Other people are saying, you know, you shouldn't use AI to... um, uh, You shouldn't use AI to do this, uh, recreate people. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very touchy subject. I personally don't like it. I mean, I listened to it. It was pretty convincing. Like, if you didn't say, this isn't, this is a George Carlin AI voice with AI material written, I would have thought it was, you know, George Carlin. It's very convincing impression. Um, Kelly Cullen, uh, continued on Twitter, saying, quote, I'm worried about his legacy, his reputation, his art. I'm allowed to do that as his daughter and, wh- and while I'm alive. It's important that these corporations don't rape and pillage art. Don't assume you understand who I am and what values I live by. Um, so just for, uh, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of trivia here. Uh, George Carlin left 14 Hours of unique comedy post behind uh, comedy po- comedy shows. Uh, he did a special nearly every other year. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy. And um, it seems like, seems like, uh, that uh, Kelly Carlin will p- pursue some legal action here to stop this from happening again. Um, she also wrote on Twitter, uh, Hey, Zelda Williams, Mel Rivers, and Gary Shandling, we should talk. Uh, She wrote to the daughters of the late Robin Williams, Joan Rivers, and Gary Shandling uh, saying that they should work together to prevent AI being used to recreate their uh, father's uh, work. Uh, A, without compensation. B, you can have them say anything. You can have an AI George Carlin hawking bitcoins and whatnot. And they're very convincing AI generations. Um, You know, this is way beyond deep fakes and, sh- and, like, sloppily putting actresses and actor faces into pornos uh, that barely match. This is this is the several steps beyond that. Several steps beyond that. So uh, I'll follow this, definitely, for sure. Find this to be very entertaining, not entertaining, very interesting, and see, you know, if AI starts impacting things like this. And it already is. It already is. Crazy stuff. Next up, um, Lisa Marie Presley, who passed away uh, last year, is pr- possibly re- uh, releasing a memoir uh, being completed by her daughter, Riley Cove. Uh, the memoir of... she was working on the memoir, Lisa Marie Presley, at the time of her death. Uh, we published this fall. It's untitled. Uh, but will be completed with the help of actor Riley Cogue, the eldest of the four of Presley's four children. Uh, she said in a statement through Random House, quote, few people had the opportunity to know my mom, who my mom really was, other than being Elvis's daughter. I was lucky to have had the opportunity and working on, on preparing her autobiography for publication. Um, it has been a privilege. It'd be a bit bittersweet one. I'm so excited to share my mom now at her most vulnerable and honest, and in doing so, I do hope the readers come to love my mom as much as I did. Uh, It's scheduled to be released on October 15th. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley was the only child of Elvis and Priscilla Presley, um, a recording artist in her own right. She died almost exactly a year ago at the age of 54. Uh, a coroner's investigation found that the singer, song, singer actor, died of complications from bariatric surgery years earlier. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley is now buried on the grounds of Graceland, family estate in Memphis, Tennessee, where she had uh, where she had been the day her father died in 1977. According to Random House, Lisa Marie Presley wanted her daughter um, to assist in her memoir, but Koch had pushed off the project. Feeling that we bet would be a right time for them to sit down and finish it, uh, after Presley's death, Koch uh, spent hours listening to tapes of her mother and had made in preparation for her life story. Story, uh, according to Random House's uh, announcement, quote: Riley knew that it was time for Lisa Marie's voice to be heard. Um, she listened to Lisa Marie. Uh, told the story after story about unconditional love she felt from her father, being upstairs at Graceland, just the two of them, a sanctuary from the chaos of her life, about Lisa Marie's complicated relationship with her mother Priscilla, about growing up with the clicking cameras and potentially at the door, about her own wild love stories, her marriages to Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage, about motherhood and shattering loss of her son, Riley, Riley's brother, Benjamin Cogue, to suicide. Uh, Random House is calling the book a, raw, a quote, raw, riveting, one-of-a-kind memoir, because neuro-advertising, it makes sense, told mostly through Lisa Marie Presley, with Riley filling in the blanks from her home memory and those closest to her mother. Uh, the audio edition will be read by Kogue, along with some experts from Lisa Marie's taped recollections. So, um, yep, if you're a Big Elvis fan or a Lisa Marie uh, Presley fan, then um, her autobiography, is coming out this October. Next up, um, Lisa Marie Presley, who passed away uh, last year, is pr- possibly re- uh, releasing a memoir uh, being completed by her daughter, Riley Cove. Uh, the memoir of... The, she was working on the memoir, Lisa Marie Presley, at the time of her death. Uh, we published this fall. It's untitled. Uh, but will be completed with the help of actor Riley Cogue, the eldest of the four of Presley's four children. Uh, she said in a statement through Random House, quote, few people had the opportunity to know my mom, who my mom really was, other than being Elvis's daughter. I was lucky to have had the opportunity and working on, on preparing her autobiography for publication. Um, it has been a privilege. It'd be a bit bittersweet one. I'm so excited ...to share my mom now at her most vulnerable and honest, and in doing so, I do hope the readers come to love my mom as much as I did. Uh, It's scheduled to be released on October 15th. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley was the only child of Elvis and Priscilla Presley, um, a recording artist in her own right. She died almost exactly a year ago at the age of 54... A uh, coroner's investigation found that the singer, song, singer actor, died of complications from bariatric surgery years earlier. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley is now buried on the grounds of Graceland family estate in Memphis, Tennessee, where she had uh, where she had been the day her father died in 1977. According to Random House, Lisa Marie Presley wanted her daughter um, to assist in her memoir, but Koch had pushed off the project. Feeling that we bet would be a right time for them to sit down and finish it uh, after Presley's death, Koch uh, spent hours listening to tapes of her mother and had made it in preparation for her life story. Story, uh, according to Random House's uh, announcement, quote: Riley knew that it was time for Lisa Marie's voice to be heard. Um, she listened to Lisa Marie. Uh, told the story after story about unconditional love she felt from her father, being upstairs at Graceland, just the two of them, a sanctuary from the chaos of her life. About Lisa Marie's complicated relationship with her mother Priscilla. About growing up with the clicking cameras and potentially at the door. About her own wild love stories, her marriages to Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. About motherhood and shattering loss of her son Riley, Riley's brother Benjamin Cogue, to suicide. Uh, Random House is calling the book a, raw, a quote, raw, riveting, one-of-a-kind memoir, because they're advertising, it makes sense, told mostly through Lisa Marie Presley, with Riley filling in the blanks from her home memory and those closest to her mother. Uh, the audio edition will be read by Cogue, along with some experts from Lisa Marie's taped recollections. So, um, yep, if you're a big Elvis fan or a Lisa Marie uh, Presley fan, then um, her autobiography is coming out this October. Speaking of Michael Jackson, a biopic about Michael Jackson is coming in 2025. It uh, will hit theaters April 18th, 2025, according to Lionsgate. Um, Michael Jackson will be portrayed by his nephew, Jafar Jackson. So, uh, that's that's very interesting. Uh, it's going to be directed by Antoine F- uh, Fakula, Fakula, Fakula? Uh, as well as uh, he directed the movie Southpaw and Emancipation. Uh, the film has the Jackson estate approval, uh, and Graham King, who produced the queen biopic Bohemia Rhapsody, is co-producing the movie called Michael, along with John Bracca and John McClain, the executors of Michael Jackson's estate. John Logan, the screenwriter behind Gladiator, Rango, and Hugo, wrote the film's, uh, the film's screenplay. According to the film's synopsis, quote: Michael will bring audience a riveting and honest portrayal of the brilliant yet complicated man who became the king of pop. The film presents his triumphs and tragedies on an epic cinematic scale, from his human side to his personal struggles to his undeniably creative genius amplified by his most iconic performances. As never before, audiences will experience an inside look into one of the most influential trailblazing artist the world has ever known. Um, Michael Jackson remains one of the best-selling artists of all time, as well as influential, Influential, although obviously his career was uh, uh, riddled with a wee bit of controversy. Uh, it remains to be seen how the Jackson State Approved Project will handle multiple allegations of child sexual abuse that surfaced against him while alive, as well as after he died. Uh, if the film even addresses that whatsoever. Uh, Jackson and his date have repeatedly denied allegations, uh, which were the subject of renewed scrutiny after the 2019 documentary Leaving Neverland. So, uh, I'm gonna guess, they're probably probably not going to talk about whatsoever. If it's a a state-approved movie, they won't even mention it whatsoever. But, uh, be interested to see when that comes out, especially uh, Michael Jackson being played by his nephew. And uh we shall see how well that movie does. In other entertainment news, the Sopranos, the cast of Sopranos reunited for the show's twenty-fifth anniversary. Yes, that's right. It premiered at HBO in nineteen ninety nine. Uh many at the time had no idea how amazing the show would be. Uh quickly became um uh, a American pulp culture. Uh, milestone um, due to his gripping storytelling and talented cast, the great uh, Galafino, Galafino, i said name, name wrong, uh, became a must watch TV despite it being off air for almost two decades. It hasn't been on for almost two decades. Uh, this week, January, uh, or last week, January 10th, uh, marked 25 years since the show premiered. And the cast came together to celebrate. Uh, they had a so called family dinner. Uh, took place at a venue decked out with references from the Emmy winning show and a menu inspired by the show. Uh, cast members who came include um, Steve Scarippa, Lorraine Bracco, uh, Ray Abruzzo, Ida Taruto, Vincent Pastore, Jason Sabone, uh, Federico uh Dan, I'm saying all these names wrong, Dan Gerardi, as well. You know, the, 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 the. Medium, medium cast members of the group, um, to mark the milestone, Max, which used to be HBO, but now they're just called Max for some reason, launched its Sopranos 25th Anniversary Collection, which includes 15 deleted scenes, including three that have never been seen before. It also contains more than five hours of behind-the-scenes content highlighting the cast. Uh, and if you're in New York City... Um, you're very lucky because the renowned Italian restaurant Danico Nico will feature Sopranos-inspired menu like Camara Camella's baked ziti and Sataris' special caprice uh, from January eleventh, which was this week through February fourth. So you have a uh, have a like you know, roughly a month, roughly a month to check it out. Um, cast members Robert Ear and Jamie Lynn Seeger. Released a 25th anniversary edition of their podcast, Not Today, Pal, on January 18th, where the reminisce on their roles as AJ and Meadow Soprano, uh, respectively. I guess they do a podcast together. That's cute. And how they essentially grew up on TV. So, if you're a big Sopranos fan, well, if you are, then you already knew this. So you probably have already seen the restaurant. And you probably already listened to that podcast. But, uh, 25 years since the debut of. The Sopranos. In uh, Aaron Tatum news, Top Gun! The sequel, now Top Gun Maverick, uh, came out, I think, last year, I think. Um, didn't see it. Watched the dogfight at the very end. Pretty impressive stuff. I don't even know what was real and what was CGI. Seems like a lot of it was real. Well, apparently it did so well that uh, Top Gun 3 is in the works. That's right, still topping it. Uh, Top Gun 3 is currently being worked on. Uh, apparently it got the, uh, green light for a third film. Uh, Top Gun co-writer Aaron Kruger is penning a script for what would be a new installment. Uh, sources say Maverick director Joe Kalinske would also return to direct. Um, the intent is to reunite Tom Cruise with his next-generation co-stars Miles Teller and Glenn Powell. Uh, the, development com- the development comes days after Warner Brothers. Discovery mm-hmm. announced that Cruz has signed a deal to star and produce movies for Warner Brothers. Uh, although the agreement is non-exclusive, uh, the actor's recent films have largely been at Paramount, uh, though he did not have a deal with them there. While some could view Top Gun news as a tit for tat in a war for Cruz headlines. The reality: the sequel has been in development for quite a while since last uh, since last fall. Uh, Maverick, the last Top Gun movie, was a massive performer in the box office, earning one point five billion dollars globally, and sparking Steven Spielberg to credit Cruise for having saved the theatrical business, which had been beleaguered by COVID nineteen. Uh, the feature follows decades after Tony Scott's 96 Top Gun, which helps cement Tom Cruise as a as a rising star. Pretty good stuff. Uh, but I wouldn't hold your breath for it coming out anytime soon. Uh, Tom Cruise is currently working on the eighth Mission Impossible movie. It's like Fast and the Furious, except for Spies. They keep churning them out, uh, and that will keep them occupied until at least its release, Set for May 2025. um, And it still took a few years for Maverick to even be filmed. So this is just one step. One step into filming Top Gun 3. So I wouldn't expect this to come out until well after 2025, 2026, even 2027. But, my friends, you heard it here. 5th or 10th, Top Gun 3. It's in the works. Let's see if it's able to... (laughs) Take off, get it? Uh, I'm so clever. We now go to the Red Sea. No, nothing about Moses. But if you've been following the news lately, things have been spicing up a bit in the Red Sea. Uh, just for a bit of uh, context, there are several countries surrounding the Yen- the, the Red Sea, including Yemen. Yemen is a country in the southwest part of the Arabian Peninsula and has been pretty much in a civil war since 2014, uh, where a rebel movement known as the Houthis uh, kind of took over government, and then the government made a deal with them, and then they kind of ran things together kind of roughly for two years, and the government says, ah, we're done with this, and then they attacked the capital and killed the president, hence Civil War. Um, Houthis are generally backed by Iran and control the western part of the country, the southwest corner, basically, of the um, uh, Arabian Peninsula, that's where that little territory is, control the capital, whereas the rest of the remaining government of Yemen control basically the eastern parts and a few coastal areas and whatnot. Anyways, last few years, they've been having kind of a conflict with Saudi Arabia. They've been launching ballistic missiles into Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, um, even Qatar, like missiles into oil facilities and drone attacks. So they've they've got they've got some oomph there. Uh, and now recently, uh, in the last month or two, they've been attacking shipping in in the Red Sea. Where's the Red Sea? Well, it's in B- the Peninsula. It connects the Indian Ocean to the Suez Canal, Suez Canal Mediterranean Sea. Needless to say, a lot of trade goes through the Red Sea. About fifteen percent of global commerce goes through the Red Sea. And if it can't go through the Red Sea, it's go all the way around Africa. That's a bit of a hike. Uh, recently they've been launching missiles and uh, you know, ship anti-ship missiles into cargo ships, ballistic missiles into cargo ships. They've tried to hijack a few ships in there. Uh, they've been making shipping there very dangerous, um, all in response to the Israeli invasion of Gaza Strip and to be, you know, show solidarity with the people living in Gaza. That is what they're doing. So bad things have become, um, several, I think three or four major shipping companies said, uh, we're not we're not sending ships through there anymore. They keep getting hit by missiles, so we're just going to go around Africa obviously causing a tremendous amount of global supply chain issues. Remember when that ship got stuck in the Suez Canal for like a week? Yeah, kind of like that, except with missiles. Um, so, so, obviously, a bit of an issue. Uh, and then on Thursday night, after repeated attacks and saying, guys, you got you to stop doing this, or going to be else, something else happened. Uh, a variety of airstrikes and Tomahawk cruise missile attacks into Yemen at the capital and various facilities, missile sites, uh, ships that they were using, um, happened overnight. Uh, Still assessing if that's going to send the point home or not. We shall see. I don't know. But uh, that is what is going on in the Red Sea area and is having global ramifications. Why, you ask? Well, I will tell you. Tesla uh, Tesla has had to halt production of cars in Germany because the parts that they need to finish those cars aren't there. They aren't there because they can't get through the Red Sea because of the Houthis. They have to go all the way around Africa, which adds a little bit, to the, little bit of time to transit, uh, makes it more expensive to transit, and now... Factories in Germany making these cars are shutting down. That's just one, like, I don't don't care about Tesla. That's just one of many examples of what's going on due to the supply chain interruption due to attacks by missiles on cargo ships as well as hijacking cargo ships in the Red Sea. Now, this is interesting because that area of the ocean has been problematic for a little bit while. Somali pirates, you know, Captain Phillips, this is kind of different than that. Uh, but many nations, including uh, the United States, the United Kingdom, they're the ones who did all the missiles and, and air attacks uh, uh, this week, but also Italy, France, and other, uh, and other nations have uh, ships in the area patrolling. Uh, in fact, India, which is not known as being a, you know, going beyond its sort of territorial waters with their ships and whatnot, has set a naval contingent into the Red Sea to um, protect ships from Houthi attacks and pirates. and Because India gets a lot of their trade through the Red Sea as well. Not only bringing things in, but exporting things out. If their exports are too expensive, they will sell less. So India has sent naval attachments to this area. So things are hopefully not going to spice up. And hopefully things will calm down. You know, they got attacked and they got something blown up. They'll maybe they'll take it down a notch, but if they don't, we could see more airstrikes and missile strikes into Yemen, in the Red Sea, and the regional conflagration, which has been simmering and burning since October, could spread to other areas of the Middle East. From one hot spot to another hot spot, Ecuador. Uh, in South America, along the um western coast of the continent along the, um, Pacific Ocean had a, uh, uh, a bit, a bit of a problem this week, uh, when violence, uh, kind of blow, blew up, <laughs> blew up in the, uh, the country over a very short period, um, Armed gunmen stormed a national television station and held people at gunpoint for a few hours. Uh, Several prisons were taken over. Uh, Police cars were burned. Prison guards were executed. A sort of explosion of violence occurred in Ecuador. Um, There were shootings on subways. Uh, uh, There were bombings on, on college campuses. It was a mess. It was a big old mess on there. Uh, after the Ecuadorian government decided to crack down on drug um, drug gangs, they uh, deployed their armed forces back to cause havoc. And boy, how they did they. Uh, Ecuador declared an um, internal rebellion and deployed the military throughout Ecuador and uh, tried to get these guys to... Um, <laughs> try to get these, these things under control. Uh, a few drug kingpins escaped prison um it is it is it is a mess there and it taken a lot of people by surprise Ecuador was at one time at one time uh, known as being a pretty peaceful area but over the last 10 years things have uh become really bad and uh murder rates are now eight times higher than they were five years ago um a lot of people are pointing this back to an ill-conceived plan uh, to President Daniel Nova's well, no, 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 the previous administration's plan in 2000 and I think it was seven, 2007 to 2017, the Ecuadorian government kind of uh, had a peace treaty with drug kingpins and um, and pushed out uh, a U.S. anti-drug monitoring base. And, um, you know, they said they were going to, to buy drones to monitor the border for drug shipments. No one ever did that. No one ever did that. Um, And uh, it became pretty much a haven for drug gangs to ship things in and out. And now that the government kind of has cracked down on it, there has been just an orgy of violence over the last few years, last uh, last week and whatnot. Uh, In fact, uh, Ecuador during this time launched a thing called Universal Citizenship, uh, where people from all over the world could move to Ecuador, get citizenship, without having to disclose their criminal records, um, and as such, people from Colombia, Mexico, Albania, Slovenia, and even Italy, those mafias began to set up, uh, began to set up operations there to ship drugs out. Uh, Ecuador is a convenient drug-shipping logistic point because it's sandwiched between Colombia and Peru, which is the two of the world's leading producers of cocoa, which is used made for cocaine and other drugs as well. And Ecuador uses the U.S. dollar as its official currency, making it way easier to mo- to launder drug money. So, cocoa. Crazy. Crazy. Um, The former president, Corina, uh, who a lot of people blame for setting things into motion for this to be like this, quickly supported the current president's uh, emergency measures to crack down on drug mafias and uh, deploying the military, but critics say that he's just trying to cover his rear for the best that he is uh, he's created. Uh, In fact, uh, some representatives of the U.S. government, including the Southern Command, I believe. So the military, um, representative of the U.S. military, is um, heading down there. Uh, General Laura Richardson, head of U.S. Southern Command, uh, will go to Ecuador in the next few weeks to offer assistance to the Ecuadorian government, which I can only imagine means I don't think they'll be deploying troops or making airstrikes, but like, cheap guns and satellite photos is probably what's gonna be in that uh, that briefcase that uh, she's bringing with you so yeah it is if you if you have plans to visit to Ecuador you might want to not do that <clears throat> not do that or Bolivia or you know, South America a lot of South America's kind of a problem right now. You might just like skip most of South America and just go to the Poconos or something. Just just saying, just saying, it's a it's a little dicey. It's a little dicey everywhere. Why? You don't need to. Ireland. Ireland's nice. Um, and that's it. We now go to the automotive industry where Hertz, the rental company, is selling a third of their EVs electronic vehicles, twenty thousand. Um, And using the proceeds to buy gas combustion uh, vehicles uh, seen as a blow to the EV industry, Um, mostly because um, they are more expensive to repair uh, Hertz and whatnot. Um, You know, gas combustion cars are a bit more easy to repair and Hertz, well, you know, they, cars get damaged a lot by renters and they get a lot of wear and tear on them. Um, but the car rental firm saying it's selling 20,000 Teslas, Volvos, Polestars, more, uh, due in part to of their cost of, ma- of maintenance. Um, the, ov- the overall EV industry is slowing a bit as early adopters dry up and prices remain stubbornly high. A.K.A. Uh, corporate greed. That's what that is. Um, Matt Morgan Stanley analyst Adam Jonas called the move, quote, another sign that EV expectations need to be reset downward across the market. Um, he said it was also a warning to drivers thinking to switch from gas to electric about the cost of ownership. Quote, while consumers enjoy driving experience and fuel savings per mile of an EV, there are, quote, hidden costs to EV ownership. Uh, he added, citing insurance, repairs, charging infrastructure, residual value retention, and range anxiety. Um, But repairs are one of the biggest culprits of high cost ownership for EV drivers. Uh, I mean, I don't see any problems with it. I just think, I mean, yeah, it's, there are, there's a different set of costs with EVs compared to gas combustion vehicles, indeed. Uh, You definitely, you know, can't just decide to drive across the country without planning that sort of stuff as well. Um, but, you know, I don't think... You know, I think this is a decision by Hertz, who cars get a lot of wear and tear. A lot of people wreck the cars, bump them, scratch them, you know, don't use them properly. They don't care. They're rentals. Uh, that is... Uh, that is why uh, they're getting rid of them and whatnot. So, um, I love my EV, my my Bolt Sebastian Taylor that I got from Troutman Chevrolet. Check them out in Central Pennsylvania. Um, but, uh, nope, makes sense for rental cars. Uh, the EV charging infrastructure isn't quite there when it needs yet. So like, I could drive from here to Columbus, Ohio, but I would really need to plan out the driving and make sure it's not done in terribly cold weather, because, you know, cold weather does impact the range of an EV car. Just saying. So, uh, not surprising, but I think EVs are the way of the future, and, um, would love to get a home-charging thing myself, which I don't have, uh, because I don't have, uh, $6,000 laying around. Surprise, surprise! The the Saturday report with Cold Sebastian Taylor, not rolling in the money. Not yet. Still working on that. Still trying to figure out how to make that big podcast money. It's it's not it's not taking a double Hyundai. I'll never accept money for them. Well I will never accept less than ten million dollars. Ten million dollars, Hyundai, I will be your spokesman. But anything else? No. Anyways, if you're looking for an EV for sale, Hertz is about to sell twenty thousand. You might be able to get one real cheap. And I don't know where Hertz sells them. They probably use an auction yard, but hey, could be a, could be an influx of used EV cars into the market could, could, my friends, drive down prices. Next, my friends, we go to Space! SpaceX, actually. Uh, And T-Mobile announced this week they successfully sent the first texts via Starlink satellites. Now, Starlink is a SpaceX thing. SpaceX is uh, owned by uh, Madman and probably a little bit of drug addict Elon Musk, uh, where 5,000 mini micro satellites are flying out through uh, through the sky in the air, uh, providing internet connection to 2.3 million people. Not like super fast, high speed, you know, gaming internet, but like internet in areas where you can't usually get internet, like a war zone or in the middle of nowhere. Well, um, this week, Team mobile said they successfully sent one text from one device to another device through the Starlink satellite system. Uh, normally, we send a text, leaves your phone, goes to a cell tower, bounces around, goes to the ground, goes to another cell tower, and then to the, the phone you're sending it to almost instantaneously. Uh, but it does require a cell network to do that, a subscription to a cell network. And uh, they're trying to set it up where phones, instead of trying to find a cell tower can connect to a satellite like a GPS uh, chip and be able to send text messages through satellites. Through satellites. Uh, Space, and this is known as D2D service, the direct to device service. And SpaceX is planning on offering D2D texting service this year with voice, data, and internet uh, services starting in 2025. Um... Pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Uh, SpaceX said it successfully sent a text message, uh, via Starlink satellites using the T-Mobile network, um, hoping to bring direct device to cell service to the market this year. And this is not a new area. Lots of different cell phone companies and devices are exploring this area of, uh, space to send messages, um... Uh, Apple is trying to, in their new devices, have emergency satellite SOS service. So, like, if you're Melano or you have a problem, you can get your cell phone to send an SOS using satellite operator Global Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Qualcomm, uh, which uh, ended its partnership with the satellite communication company, Iridium last year, uh, said it was pivoting to a new project called Project Stardust. Uh, in order to do that, Idiom, which is a global communi- satellite communication company, plans to test its D2D service in 2025 and begin rolling out products in 2026. So, my friends, before it's like, oh, there are cell towers, which will remain, you know, the the primary use of uh, cell phones. But for cell phones that are are un like not connected to a network. Just a cell phone just operating a, just by itself, not a T-Mobile subscription or an AT&T subscription, stuff like that. The plan is to make cell phones to be able to connect to these satellites and then be able to send text messages, calls, internet to other cell phones. No matter where you are, as long as there's a clear shot of the sky with a satellite, you should be able to connect with it. That is the next step of cell phones. Pretty amazing stuff. Uh, does that mean I'll be in a satellite cell phone soon? Probably not. I'm pretty happy with my stuff, unless there's like a real big different, uh, really big different uh, cost change or uh, well not. But the the days of like a satellite cell phone being a big old thing, having a little little radar thing up to the side and making a phone call that was five dollars a minute to bounce off of satellites, and you had to have your 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 phone pointed at the right satellite. That's a thing of the past. The future apparently is going to be pull up a cell phone and just like how your Google Maps knows your location from a GPS chip, your cell phone will be able to make calls via satellite connection to other places around the world. Connecting people to send their dick pics to people
1: all over the world
0: without having to worry about cell phone towers. We truly live in amazing times. (laughs) Next, my friends, we go to Nebraska where a Texas man uh, is suing Walmart for a violation of his civil rights, asking $100 million or unlimited free shopping for life as compensation for the violation of his civil rights. Uh, the, the The man's name, or the resident's name from Waxham, Texas, uh, which is, I guess, kind of close to Nebraska. Um, let me just check on the map out of random curiosity. Nebraska? No, it's not really close to Nebraska at all. I don't... That's... that's yeah, Oklahoma and Kansas between that. All right, anyways. Doesn't matter. Um, um, sent uh, complaints... Uh, handwritten complaints. Not type Handwritten complaints... To the United States District Attorney's Office for the Western District of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Uh, both complaints were filed without an attorney. I think you're kind of seeing where this is going. Uh, Jackson filed a suit claiming incident involving the false pretense of shoplifting in March 2021 in a Walmart store in Omaha, Nebraska. In a separate complaint, he alleged that he suffered civil rights violations based on his race and color at Nebraska Walmart. neither complaint offers much details about his claims. He also requests Walmart pay for all of his court fees regarding the lawsuit. Uh, representative for Walmart didn't immediately respond to comments, but said in a statement to NBC News that the retail giant does, quote, not tolerate discrimination of any kind. In, uh, in a statement to NBC News, quote, We are aware of Mr. Jackson's complaint and intend to defend the company against the allegations once we have been served. In 2021, court records show that Jackson previously sued the company over the same incident, alleging racial profiling along the false accusation of a crime resulting in arrest. However, according to court documents, the case was tossed out after he failed to serve Walmart properly. I'm just guessing sending a handwritten postcard to them you need to be a little more official than that. So, um, I hope Mr. Jackson isn't planning on any big purchases from Walmart, because uh, I don't think his $100 million lawsuit or unlimited free shopping for life from Walmart based on two handwritten complaints filed in Arkansas for something that happened in Omaha, Nebraska, may not get the traction he think thinks it will. Just taking a wild guess. Probably not going to get much... Not going to get too far... Too, too far in court there. Too far in court there. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week. Sorry, Board me, Colt, Sebastian, Taylor. Thanks so much for joining me here today. All three to four of you that listen. Um... <laughs> um... Find me on a variety of social media channels, including the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Cameo, Twitch, Counter Social, Carrier Pigeon, Note tied to a rock. Wherever you want to get hold of me, and of course subscribe to Anchor.fm/slash Taylor for all future updates as they come week to week. Until next time, my friends. I'm of course your friend, the one and the only Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.